Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As we near Halloween, missing and murdered in the Midwest plans to highlight some truly unusual and horrifying cases. In two weeks, so mark your calendars, we will have not one, not two, but five episodes debuting the week of Halloween. All of these cases have, in a sense, a running theme. They are just too bizarre to seem true. But trust me when I say they are, and they will get crazier as the week goes on. Most are murder cases, but there's two missing persons cases. One is a 70-year-old cold case. The other, let's just say the person was above ground the entire time. But to kick things off, with this theme just a little early, we head to Galesburg, Illinois, where a couple on the brink of divorce ended in a much messier way. WQAD Podcast Network. The crimes that made your skin crawl. The missing faces you just couldn't get out of your head. The questions that never got answered. Missing and Murdered in the Midwest dives deep into these unforgettable cases, solved and unsolved. This content is not for the faint of heart. And now, here's your host, Toria Wilson. Antonio and Delia Santa Maria had a lot of differences. The couple had an 18-year age difference, and while born and raised and eventually married in Mexico, the two would move to the United States. But Delia would become a citizen. Antonio did not. Delia was a loving, nurturing mother of six who was described as a sweet, great lady from those who worked with her at the local nursing home. Antonio was a strict man, especially when it came to disciplining two of their sons. Antonio would later be described in court as Frankenstein's monster, while Delia would tragically become his dead bride. Ironically, Antonio Santa Maria was a doctor. He received his degree while in Mexico, and in the late 1960s, he would become one of the physicians at Galesburg's Mental Health Center. Not even 10 years later, in 1978, new laws would be required of Antonio to take a state licensing exam, which he ultimately failed and lost his job. For the next five years, Antonio would travel around the East Coast before ultimately returning to the Galesburg area. But in 1981, Antonio and Delia's marriage would slowly start to crumble away. In my opinion, it could have been a number of things. His travels to the East Coast could have been very stressful, the dynamic of parenthood with their children, because like I said, she's taking care of six kids. Whatever the case may be, Delia apparently would start to file for divorce and then stop proceedings from going much further, possibly changing her mind. Who knows? From what I gather, this would happen every so often, up until 1985. Now, around this time, but before the infamous crime, Abe, one of Antonio and Delia's sons, would say that his father was having a hard time coping with this fact, that his wife could potentially file for divorce. 
And Antonio would tell Abe at one point that he would rather kill himself and Delia than get a divorce. Two months prior to Delia's initial disappearance, and even before divorce documents were put in the mail, Abe would say that his father started to dig a large hole in the base of their home. Antonio would claim it was to lower the basement, working long hours to get the job done, but it was work his son had never seen his father do before, and Delia didn't know why he had done it. Plus, a day after Delia went missing, Antonio started to till the garden, which was in the back of the house, another unusual sight for the son to see, because the garden work was usually done by Delia herself. Other family members, and even neighbors, who had hardly ever talked to the Santa Marias in the past, knew that Antonio never touched the garden. It's stated in police records by a number of people that while Delia would work in the garden, Antonio would sit there, smoke a cigar, watching his wife do all the work. One neighbor would later tell police that at one time, he offered her a pillow, guessing a dirt nap joke? (laughs) Tilling the garden and digging up the basement, though, had some sort of cover. On August 1st, a plumber had gone to the Santa Maria house to fix what was reported as a water leak at the water heater in the basement. This self-employed plumber had been to the house a few times before. This plumber said in the past the basement would have enough natural light that he could just see fine. But on this particular visit in early August, it was extremely dark to the point where he had to use a flashlight. The plumber said while in the basement, he saw bricks torn up from the ground, as well as an old wooden door, several boards, and a mountain of dirt. He said in the past, the windows were never covered and never saw this hole, which was about two feet deep, and which reminded him of a grave. Around this time, a couple who owned a vault company in Farmington, Illinois, had come to the property. This particular business not only sells burial vaults, but septic tanks and drainage tile. Now, the couple didn't know who Antonio Santa Maria was, but speaking to him at their store, he wanted a septic tank for dog poop but after some discussion, decided to pick something else. They later identified Antonio when they saw his picture in the Peoria Journal Star and a police lineup. Now, on August 10th, Delia had worked a shift at the Applegate East Nursing Home. Now, on August 10th, Delia had worked a shift at the Applegate East Nursing Home. One coworker who sat down with police said on several occasions the two had talked about life. But on this particular night, Delia confided that divorce papers were expected to be served to Antonio that day. She told another co-worker that, quote, if I ever divorced him, he'd kill me. Unbeknownst to Delia, that plan was already in motion. On August 10th, Antonio writes a letter to Delia's divorce attorney, I'm guessing shortly after receiving those documents. In it, he writes, quote, Along our 26 years of marriage, we have always had marital crises of different kinds with the threat of separation or divorce. The letter goes on to say that Delia and Antonio had a long talk and agreed to try to save their marriage. It continues by saying, quote, Delia was quite embarrassed to inform you again to stop proceedings, as she has done several times in the past. It ends by saying the two agreed to move 
as soon as possible, somewhere near the Mexico border. On August 11th, Delia does not show up for work, which was extremely unlike her. So her supervisor called the house. First, Delia's son Abe answered the phone and had no clue about his mother's whereabouts. So the woman calls back a little bit later, to which Antonio answered the phone. When she asked him where Delia was, he stated she had gone to Chicago for a few days, then blatantly hung up. The supervisor became even more concerned when Delia's other son, Eddie, showed up to her work, saying that they had not been able to find her. On the 12th, again, another call to the home to check on Delia's whereabouts, this time by an administrator to the nursing home. Antonio says she had gone to North Carolina, then Chicago. The administrator asks for an address or a phone number, anything to get in touch with Delia, but Antonio has no answers. So this administrator said they'll call the police if they don't hear from her within hours time. Antonio replied, quote, I'd rather have you wait three or four days. But the next day, a missing persons report was filed on behalf of Delia. Galesburg police obviously go to the Santa Maria house to talk to Antonio, but he doesn't know where she is. Police check her work, where she still hadn't been seen, checked at the bus and the train station, but no results. Antonio's sons, Abe and Eduardo, decided to do a little investigating themselves during this time, suspicious on how their father was acting. So they start looking around the house. Delia's car keys, car, purse, wallet, all the essentials really are left behind. The two also decide to go to the basement and in doing so, Antonio ran the boys out of the room and became very nervous. Abe also tried to dig in that hole that he had stumbled upon, but Antonio caught him and made him leave the basement. The boys would try to peek into the basement windows to see what their father was doing, but couldn't really see and would run when their father would come back upstairs. With this information provided by coworkers, Antonio's sons, Antonio's behavior, and the fact that Delia was still missing, police were able to get a search warrant for the Santa Maria property. Now, quick fast fact, Delia and Antonio didn't share a room, and that is very important. So when police go to try to check out Delia's room, it's locked with a bicycle lock. They were able to gain entry through the door to the bathroom, but it turned out that the bedroom door this way was also locked from the inside. Police were able to finally gain entrance by pulling off the door hinges. Police immediately found a coat hanger and had what appeared to be blood on it. As some of the officers searched upstairs, others went down, which is where we find one of the officers in the basement. Obviously, we remember the basement now. <laughs> Upon this officer's search, he found that some of the basement floor bricks had been removed, so he grabs a shovel. He digs until he can't. Something soft and spongy is blocking his way, so he gets on his hands and knees. Not even two feet down, this officer's hand 
feels skin. He brushes the dirt aside, where he finds the upper torso of a female body, no head or arms. Crime scene texts come out. After two hours of digging, investigators were able to find eight body parts in this one hole. And that's where we get to the garden. Remember the garden? Well, in that very hole Antonio was seen digging in just a day before, crime scene investigators found the rest of Delia's head, upper arms, lower arms, and two hands. Seven body parts found, 15 altogether. Dental records would later prove that this was indeed Delia. Police would later find Antonio at the hospital due to a nagging shoulder. While investigators were in the room, Antonio proceeded to tell the doctor he thought he had hurt it while working so hard on the bricks in the basement and had been sweating profusely. The doctor just said it may be a muscle problem, but that was about it. But the doctor also noticed a bruise on Antonio's left hand. This is where Santa Maria went into the details about his wife attacking him. He would tell the doctor in front of the police, not under oath, that, quote, the fight went out into the other room. It was a very vicious fight. I had to defend myself. I had to kill my wife. That night, August 15th, 1985, Antonio Santa Maria was arrested for the murder of his wife. And then the interrogation began. During this time, he explained in the early morning hours of August 10th, just four days prior to his arrest, his sons had come home from a night of partying around 4.30. An argument began over the children, particularly Abe and Eduardo, regarding their drug and alcohol use. Eventually, Antonio went into his room and locked the door. Now, obviously, this is Antonio's perspective of what went down. We'll never know what Delia's side to the story is. Antonio would say that he would later be awakened by his wife standing over him with a knife in her hands. A struggle ensued. From his room to her room to the bathroom, Antonio punched Delia in the face. She became groggy. He drags her body beside the bathtub. He then states that Delia said, quote, I love you, I love you. Antonio bends her head first over the tub, finds the knife and from the rear cuts her throat. He cut so deep, she was damn near decapitated at this time. Antonio says that his wife was too big to dispose of, so he had to cut her up. He put the body in the bathtub, then begins to proceed cutting up Delia's body into 15 pieces. He said the entire process took between a half hour to 50 minutes with a sharp meat knife that was his son's. He states he first removed her head, then cut open her chest and removed her internal organs. He then dismembered her arms, then divided the torso, then removed her legs. And this is how intense this murder became. It wasn't that he just cut her up, he was angry. According to the coroner's report, the skin of the face had been removed and the eyes had been severely mutilated, with the left eye virtually gone. 
he would tell investigators he did it because he did not like the expression on her face and knew that police would find her and didn't want officers to see the expression. Also, a random fun fact in this report, her fourth fingers were removed, meaning her ring fingers were both gone and were never found. Insane as it is, here's another crazy fact. Because of the manner in which Delia was found, the coroner couldn't say what actually killed her, undetermined. The report states that it is entirely conceivable, of course, that she would have died from some type of traumatic wounds. But with so much severe mutilation and dismemberment, they couldn't say for sure how she died. Now, what did Antonio do with the internal organs? Well, between August 10th and August 12th, Antonio makes a stop at the local Sears. He talks with the clerk about an electric meat grinder, something he wanted to give his wife. In discussing price, it seems like that wouldn't work. So he walks away, purchasing a hand crank meat grinder, meat cleaver, spatula, and tomato core remover. Why is this important, you may ask? Well, from what Antonio would later say, is he attempted to grind Delia's organs up by using both a food processor and a meat grinder. But he says it unfortunately didn't work. So he just chopped up her heart, liver, pancreas, kidneys, intestines, and a large portion of her left lung and flushed parts of it down the toilet. And here's why Antonio would later be called the Butcher of Galesburg. The most insane part to this story, not only did he buy this meat grinder along with a meat cleaver, is that he had receipts and refund slips. Around August 15th, Antonio returned the meat grinder that he had cut up his own wife's organs, saying, and I quote, his wife didn't like it. Once the meat grinder was found, it did test positive for Delia's hair and blood on the machine. Between August 13th and August 14th, police continue their search at the home and find more blood splatter within Delia's room and bathroom. It was found on the carpet, on some of Delia's furniture, like the dresser and the bed. What I found interesting though in this crime scene report is that while there was blood splatter in a lot of different places, the technicians noted that they failed to find any evidence that a struggle or a violent encounter had taken place in the suspect's bedroom. Same went for the rest of the home and even Delia's bedroom. No signs of a struggle or fight in any room. Also found calcium oxide, commonly known as lime, and known for being able to help dissolve bones. More than a month after Antonio Santa Maria was arrested, he was given a psychiatric evaluation. And despite all of this, especially the gruesome way he ended Delia's life, he adamantly claimed that he acted in self-defense, acting under the impression that his wife was gonna kill him and that Delia would be assisted by his sons, Abe and Eduardo. The psychologist made it a point he wasn't insane at the time of the murder, remembering every bit of information on the night of August 10th. The psychologist also made it a point in his notes 
that he was unable to interpret the act of dissecting her body and trying to conceal the parts as an act of insanity. The legal definition in this case, mind you, as Antonio had no history of mental disease whatsoever. During the closing arguments in the trial against Santa Maria in April of 1986, the assistant Illinois attorney general, who was the chief prosecutor at the time, stated, and I quote again, what kind of Frankenstein's monster could reach into his wife's body and pull out her heart? Patrick O'Brien would later go on to say that Antonio was more of a monster than a human being. It would take less than three hours for a jury to render Antonio guilty. And from what I read during the trial itself, Antonio was calm, stoic. I can't really tell, obviously, from reading past articles, but when being sentenced is when the monster reappeared. Standing in the courtroom, Antonio stood up and began shouting, I am not the butcher of Galesburg. I have been sitting here listening to so many untruths. I did not kill her. The one who said that is lying. But he was the one who laid out a very clear map to police of what he did. But anyways, I digress. She killed herself, he would scream. She fought with me defending these boys who were always on drugs. Antonio would be sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, which I bet it's shocking. It, it was for me. But by state law at the time, according to one article in the Galesburg Register Mail dated May 23rd, 1986, Santa Maria could not have been sentenced to death, even though it was legal at the time, because none of the eight, quote, aggravating factors which allows a person to be sentenced to death were present in this case. Days later, attorneys for Santa Maria tried to appeal the charges, but was denied at a later time. And in December of 1994, Antonio asked then-Governor Jim Edgar for a full pardon, stating he was innocent. According to the lengthy petition, the then 76-year-old claimed it was total self-defense and that the knife slipped during the struggle between the two. But not even six months later, that request was denied. Antonio Santa Maria died in the Joliet prison in 2001 at the age of 82. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Butcher of Galesburg. I know it was a little gory, but, you know, coming around Halloween. So again, tune in in two weeks to five brand new episodes of cases that I will be featuring for Halloween. And uh, yeah, it's going to be really great. I'm really excited. Uh, it's been a lot of work, so please tune in. Thanks. <laughs>